we're recording. We look good. We look good. Hey, everybody. I hope you didn't show up for a hole in the hay, but you might ruffle them out watching Young Frankenstein. Next, intro music. Hey, everybody. Mark T. <laughs> oh, this is dumb as fuck, and it's totally staying in. I hate it. Mark D, IT guy, dad, generally bad movie nerd. And yeah, yeah, we're talking about the 74 Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder collaboration station, Young Frankenstein. And this is a good movie. I like this motherfucker. So fun fact, I don't think I've ever actually seen it all the way through. I'm not a I've, I've, I'm not a patient person, or I haven't been a patient person, and I still have the tendency to be an impatient person. But as a child, I was extremely not a patient person, so I never saw Young Frankenstein all the way through. Is really what it 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 seems to be. I think I had seen until the monster popped off and kind of tuned out, or just got busy when I played a video game or something. And that was, it was a pleasant surprise because it was the things that I remembered that I remembered liking. And then like a whole, I think like an hour or something of, of essentially new material. So that was fun. That was fun. There are some really, really good gags here. However, this is, I think, notably, and I, I want to say that second place in this category probably comes to men in tights i think just based on on budget and technology because men in tights is very colorful and it's it, it's nice and they actually have like a crane i mean it looked like a computer controlled crane even or not computer but like you know motion controlled crane for that that one crane shot but this is the nicest looking mel brooks movie i am 99.9% sure. I haven't seen them all, but I don't expect them with their respective reputations to surpass this one at all. At all. Not even close. This movie brings back the feel, the idea, the concept, the physical state of the the 1930s like universal monster movies so appropriately so i'm not going to say perfectly because they do uh, they intentionally the movie intentionally leaves certain things out which i love and that you you kind of see them right off the bat and it's really fun because they the movie lets you in on the jokes it, it brings you into the joke it leads you into a lot of jokes so you understand the punchline and then realize, oh, as you think back, I've been being slowly introduced to this. And it's a good feeling. It's a collaborative feeling, not only with the creators, but, but with the audience. Some might call it pandering. And maybe I liked being pandered to. Maybe that's a, maybe I'm a, a mist of Pandaria. You know, I don't know. Sometimes I want to see a movie where the filmmaker knows that people will be watching this movie and they want to engage with those people. And I think that that is a characteristic of Mel Brooks, that Mel Brooks wants to genuinely engage with people. He has so much heart 
and a somewhat perhaps unexpected amount of intelligence and sophistication and it really it 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 shows through when you read interviews with him or or anything like that i remember i had listened to him on on the wtf podcast when this collection came out and and his interview alone is like i'm buying it it doesn't matter what it costs i love space balls i love you know men in tights and all that stuff i'm just getting it love history of the world i'm in sold but I think young Frankenstein in certain ways is, is the pinnacle. And I think that Gene Wilder really balanced out a lot of the Mel Brooks, right? So I've seen eight Mel Brooks movies in eight days. This is my ninth on the ninth day. And I'm a little tired, a little wired. I'll take 80 out of 200. Oh, we make a deal. Uh, you know. So my brain is kind of misfiring at this point a little bit. Not not trying to mean that in a harmful way. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not at my normal state of awareness right now. Somewhat outside of it. I don't, I don't know if it's up, down, left, right, or center. Just out of the normal sphere of what is normal for me. But I have picked out the pattern. There are certain patterns that Mel Brooks does. He does song and dance numbers. He does, uh, you know, just Mel Brooks being Mel Brooks, extremely Mel Brooks in Mel Brooks movies and things like that. And somehow this movie still managed to have a song and dance number, and I'm not even sure how, but it did. And I just, I think it had maybe half a gay joke, like par partially. I don't know. It, it wasn't obvious to me that it was a gay joke, but... I was also looking for one. I was expecting a really, really bad gay joke at some point, and if there was one, I'm sorry, I missed it. It flew right past me. I don't know if I was reading a message on my phone or what, because, you know, I have the, the modern version of, um, or, or I live the modern distracted life, usually. It's very rare for me to be able to sit and think about one thing, even when I want to. That that's what I mean. Like it's outside of my actual desire. This does not bring me pleasure to be checking my phone every four to six minutes or whatever the case is. It's it's a it's a problem, realistically, and one that I don't know how to solve. And sometimes even while I'm recording, I'll pick up my phone and look at a, at an alert just to see what it is, just to know. So yeah, there's there's the Mel Brooks edges that got kind of sanded down and then there's the gene wilder i don't know what but gene wilder is just a fucking boss so that's basically how i see it he's a creative just animal and his performance is so so good so just to go over like the first scene where uh fred Fr frederick frankenstein right or frederick frankenstein or however whatever combination of the two is in his like symposium or whatever teaching <laughs> and uh the the stuff with the old man is very funny but then he gets like really animated and in the medium shot he he stabs himself in the leg with a scalpel as he's trying to make his point and just the subtlety the subtlety of his reaction and how he slowly just crosses his legs to hide the scalpel that's now embedded in his thigh. 
was just, you know, chef's kiss. But now the interesting thing is a, a more modern movie would have stayed on that medium shot. And I feel that modern movies would have done that because they have enough resolution. I could see, I could count the fucking hairs on his head on that medium shot. But in the 70s, if you were ever going to re-air this or anything like that, the fidelity may not be there. So, or not the 70s, got the 30s, right? Because the whole thing is that they're playing uh, 1930 and 1970 versus, you know, how they did, uh, you know, 1974 and 1874. It's the opposite, this one. They'd literally go to, well, anyway, I'll get to it. But he, the, the class that he's teaching, the university class, those are all 1974 kids, right? There's like dudes with like kind of longish hair, you know, and stuff like that. It's It's really subtle. Gene Wilder is the only one with mascara or otherwise eye makeup that was very popular in the 30s, even for male actors. So he's in that weird makeup. Everybody else looks pretty normal. And then when he stabs himself, instead of sitting on the medium for the reaction, and if you want to see what I mean, if you think back to Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, one of uh, cinema's finer examples of craftsmanship, he said facetiously, when Tommy Davidson throws the spear into Ace Ventura's leg or whatever, they don't close up on him to show you the reaction. They stay on that kind of medium or medium full and he reacts to it. And that's kind of the thing that I was expecting. But in this one, they cut up, and it's like a very jarring close-up. And he just has like the tiniest tremble of his lip when he's like, class dismissed, and his eyes, and he's just really holding it together. And that is a very 1930s thing to do because it did not, it did not feel fluid to us. It was intentionally off because that is how those movies were. So this is probably even one of the finest parodies that that Mel Brooks has has done. Although the Western in in Blazing Saddles was very good, they were released around the same year. So this is Mel Brooks in and Gene Wilder really in in high form as filmmakers and and performers. So that was really good. The, the movie is made like those movies, not a thousand percent. They do a better job of it. They they actually elevate that a lot. There are camera moves. There's pans. There's dollies that are all executed wonderfully. When I was thinking about how static a lot of the shots for some of the other movies were, these are, are a bit nicer, and they really give you the the set. The set design on this movie is stellar. It is wonderful. It is beautiful. The lighting is gorgeous. It is this this kind of artificial and, and, and just stylized, but very soft. And it looks dark, but you can see everything because that's how they fucking made movies back then. It's this weird, I don't know, trick that where I don't know if my mind is filling things in or not. But it just, it works. It feels appropriate. It feels acceptable. I'm going to open the movie again here and just just take a look at a at a shot just to see if I can describe what the lighting is because... I'm just utterly like confused now. I can't. So very even in the school, which is fine. It's a very clinical setting, one would think. But yeah, it's impossibly even kind of thing. It's never terribly 
you know, theatrical or anything. It's decently soft. Usually, well, actually not soft at all. It's hard, but we're, we're seeing the shadow side. So the fill is, is really taking it in. And they're not casting shadows on the, on the, the backdrop behind them as much as they are in front or behind them. So it gives this impression of darkness without it being black, if you can dig that. And they do have some practicals, but they don't really motivate light much at all. It's almost as if the moonlight is this really even lighting, this almost sun-like nature. The moon was very, very, very close is kind of the thing. And that doesn't matter where you are. You can be underground. The light looks the same. But this is very, I think, characteristic of early Hollywood productions, especially the monster movies, which is what we're kind of all getting at here. So again, one of the the most beautiful Mel Brooks movie, I think. You know, the music is there and there's good gags with the music and with the sound effects. It's very good. It's very good. They don't leave these out. There's actually more than one. There's a couple. And it's... I love sound gags so much. So much. I actually wanted to be a, a sound recording engineer or a mixing engineer for movies or, or Foley. And actually printed out a PDF to apply at Skywalker Sound at one point. And they're like, yeah, you, you better be an engineer of some type is what I recall. This is a billion years ago. And, uh, yeah, that didn't work out. Ambition, not, uh, not my thing as a kid. Didn't have it. But I'm all right. I'm living. I'm alive. I found my hobbies. I found my place. I'm okay. This isn't a cry for help. So the cast is great. Gene Wilder, just a fantastic comedic actor. His timing in this movie is very characteristic. He has a very slow and deliberate way to deliver these lines that is atypical. And I think he's the source of a lot of the, the steady laughs. He's on screen all the fucking time, basically. There's no scenes without him. And a lot of the laughs aren't these, like, guffaw, burst out laughing. It's more of these jokes that bubble up a little slowly. They take time to develop. And by time, I don't mean, like, a year or a month or even a minute. But sometimes you'll get the... the a joke usually is very quick. It's very quick from concept to punchline. And these kind of take a second. The, the spitting uh, bookcase one is very good. Put the candle back and how it's called back to and things like that. It's, it's very nice. It's not fast. It is slow. It's a slow movie, but it's supposed to be. The, his, his pacing and his, uh, you know, he's a jerk, right? His character is a jerk. So it's very interesting. And there's a steady undercurrent of this is funny for me throughout this movie 100%. But there are definitely a couple of just very good laughs. And I will say that I think the the actor who stole the show, 
is probably Marty Feldman as Igor. He, you know, Marty Feldman has an interesting uh, atypical appearance. And that's due to some, you know, medical issues that he had. But not to allow that to dissuade him. No, he leans into it. He embraces it. And a thousand percent, he's he's Igor. It's so good. And the literally, he has the best laugh in the movie. I, I died laughing. And it's well towards the end. So I had never seen it before. I wouldn't have understood it fully even if I had. Because I was probably too young the last time I watched this movie. Holy shit. Oh, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about it. You just, you, if you, so you should watch this movie 110%. I, I should get a Macho Man voice clip for that. I think it was like 110% or something like that. And, uh, he also has 1 million percent. And, um, sorry for backtracking there, but you know, the, the synapses, they fire somewhat stochastically. So you should watch this movie. Not only that, but I will leave things out so that they, surprise you hopefully pleasantly marty feldman many pleasant surprises so many terry gar's inga very funny very very funny madeline khan obviously is uh elizabeth pretty good not a lot of screen time very little i'm surprised that she didn't get more screen time but she's very funny. She's a very funny person. She really is, or was, I should say. You know, she passed from cancer, I believe in like 98 or, or something like that. That's very sad. It's very sad. I enjoy her work so, so much. Cloris Leachman is back here again. And this role for her, I think, is really good because she's kind of half in on the being like gross and weird thing or half in on being on in the gross thing, but like full in on being weird. So less gross, full weird. The, the, the part wasn't huge, but Hey, it is what it is, but she did a great job and she gets some, some good laughs too. Again, not huge guffaw laughs like Feldman does several times. I would say, but this just steady bubbling, right? This um, simmering of humor that just is there and it's noticeable. And, and you can hear it come to a boil, but the boil isn't violent. It's a gentle rolling boil. And you may find yourself kind of just chuckling without even realizing that you started. Like it'll, it'll change you before you even caught it, before you even noticed so Cloris Leachman, really good. Uh, Peter Boyle is a monster. I love Peter Boyle. I love Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. I dug him and everybody loved Raymond, even though I didn't watch the show a whole lot. He was one of my favorite characters. I haven't really seen much of his filmography otherwise. So that's basically where I know him from. And Clyde Bruckman's is just a stellar piece of work, uh, again, by writer Darren Morgan, who's written like two of my top, two X-Files episodes and uh, you know I just there's a whole different podcast there but if you want to listen to the um, 
I guess, what they call pod-faded podcast of Kumail Nanjiani's X-Files files. You, you, you should, because he loves X-Files maybe more than I do. He really does. And started episode one, you kind of see how it evolves, but it'll culminate in him talking to Darren Morgan. And that is just a fascinating conversation. So we talked about Cloris Leachman. That's mostly everybody that I recognize. There's a couple of other characters that are really good. So the inspector with the wooden arm is, I don't know what that's referencing, but it sounds like a complete riff. I felt like it was a bit of a Dr. Strangelove kind of thing going on there. And I should look on the IMDb page. I should actually just check and see what actors' names are. You know, that would be, um, that would be helpful. Inspector Kemp is Kenneth Mars. What do you do? Oh, he was in the producers. Who was he in the producers? Was he the guy, the other guy? No, that's Zero Muscle. Oh, Kenneth Mars, I think, was the Nazi. Franz Liebkind in the producers, the 1967 producers, which I hardly remember. I might actually have it somewhere. I should look for it. But uh, the inspector character was pretty fucking good. And instantly, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh no, David Harbour should play this character. And I think I was primed there a little bit because one, I love David Harbour to death. Even from Newsroom, I saw him in Newsroom and I'm like, oh, this is my guy. I'd seen him in something else before that, but I just can't remember what it was. But Newsroom is the first time where I was like, oh, this dude is awesome. And, um, you know, it's a more dramatic role. It's not so much a funny role. But then Stranger Things really, like that's the, the bromance right there. Stranger Things season two, the hat grab is one of the, I get, I get chills just thinking about how good that scene was, how good he was in it, how good it was set up and, and paid off through the entirety of the production from wardrobe and makeup and all these things to the writing and the vision of the Duffer brothers. So effects and all that, you know, within the limits of a budget, it's a not unlimited budget production. So, you know, sometimes stuff gets tough. I get it. You know, shit gets real. But, again, David Harbour is an actor who I just really, really, really enjoy watching. And he has a Netflix one-off, I don't know what the fuck to call it, special? Sort of, but not really. And it's called Frankenstein's Monsters Monster, right? So Frankenstein's Possessive, Monsters Possessive Monster. So Frankenstein's Monsters Monster, Frankenstein. And it's like a almost a mockumentary kind of thing. And it's very, very funny. And I think that I was kind of associating that in my head. Because that's the last Frankenstein anything I had seen. And I had seen it maybe last year. So it was pretty relatively recent compared to like the first time I saw a trailer for Army of Frankensteins. And I find that hilarious in and of itself. But I've never actually seen that movie. It looks fucking awful. Maybe not awful in a good way. I don't know. But you you roll the dice on those. So I think David Harbour would have been a great inspector if they ever want to revisit Young Frankenstein. And I am not at all saying that they should. They should not. No one should. No one should touch any of these movies. If they were to touch them, David Harbour as Inspector Kemp would be a good choice, I think. He'd just be very tall. So... I don't know if that's a bad thing. 
There are also a couple times where the certain actors will essentially do a take to the camera. <laughs> and I love I love shit like that. And this is also coming in dovetailing with the fact that this movie has the best walk this way gag. And it's not the one that you will guffaw laughing at because it was unexpected and it happened so quickly. Because those happen already in the history of the world, I think, I guess, is the second best one. I thought it was the best, and then I saw this one again, and this one's the best. So, yeah, there's an interesting thing where there's a fourth wall-type breakage, but or not breakage, but maybe just, just some cracks and, you know, things slip in and out, and that has to do again with, you know, other jokes that happened in the movie mostly with sound so you know i'm trying not to spoil it but so yeah um i guess going back to the musical number i think that you know looking at it with 2020 eyes there's definitely an interpretation of that that would be or could be i guess right because it's i don't think it's the intent if anything i think it's the opposite but it's, you know, like I said, there is an interpretation that is possible that could be interpreted as being negative, right, to disabled people. And there's another kind of disabled uh, person joke soon. And, and the interesting thing is that, you know, Marty Feldman obviously has physical issues, but as himself and then as Igor kind of as as a pass through he owns it and he leans into it and he essentially is like this is the joke i am a-okay with this which is kind of what i understand marty feldman to have been always but there are other characters that are not so much that so just you know know that they're in there they're, they may be negatively interpreted uh they're they're played for jokes i think one more than the other being more problematic than the other but the one that i'm talking about has two characters who would potentially be considered to be playing disabled for a joke and that's the joke they're they're kind of intersection of their issues I don't know if, if there was anything behind that or if, the, you know, it just seemed funny. That one's actually not that funny, regardless of the interpretation that you choose to to get it. It's it's pretty cheesy, but, you know, I guess 1974, you throw it in there. It, it gives you a little bit of, of kind of flesh on one of the characters. So, you know, I get it, but nobody's really out here, I think, attempting to make fun of anybody and, and it was unintentional or you know just not considered right so just know that that's there but i'm not saying it's terrible or bad or anything but if anybody has any issues hey you've been forewarned this is very typical of media of this time it's very normal very standard even into the, the 90s, early 2000s probably, it was very, very normal to get uh, jokes and gags based on, on things like that. So that's it. That's the one thing that I'll be like, hey, watch out for. The movie's kind of slow on purpose. 
and hey, somebody is maybe going to think that this is an attack on them or whatever. I don't think it is. But that's that's the movie. That's Young Frankenstein. Definitely catch this one, however you can. So the DVD releases, or at least this one, uh, does have extra features and things like that on it. I actually checked the back of the case just to see when those those features were, were made or whatever the case is. And it's like, new for Blu-ray. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean new for Blu-ray? Because they look like they were filmed on a video camera in 1998 or something. They don't look Blu-ray. But, hey, you know, I guess you, you do these things as inexpensively as possible because nobody really wants to invest a lot in extra features. Not to say that they're bad. They just look dated, like if they were using older equipment, like maybe Sony's from like 2003 or something. You know, just weird, just unusual. Something about their image quality is not what I would expect. But again, you know, maybe that's just my bias showing as well. So yeah, um, Louisiana's pretty messed up. Stuff's going on in the world. But, um, uh, Hey, we're here, so we do what we can. Stay safe. Wear a mask. If if people need help, try to give them help. You know, as as you can. Don't sell your house and just sell your possessions and become one of those people. I'm not advocating for that. I think that there's definitely a balance. And if everybody participates, the world will just be a better place. It's one of those... A tragedy of the commons. Somebody else is helping. I won't help. And everybody thinks that. So maybe we as a people are the commons. The common man, right? That's the thing. The common people, even. I don't know. But stay safe, wear a mask. Stay home if you can. If you can't, just try to be as safe as possible. And Black Lives Matter. I am... Mark D at cool Mark D on Twitter. This has been the nine movie Blu-ray collection, the Mel Brooks collection. And I know that I just called it the collection, the Mel Brooks collection. That's very redundant. That wasn't on purpose. I'm genuinely just really bad at this, but I'm out. I would like to do a Mel Brooks retro. I don't know if I will. Honestly, I'm, exhausted and i have other things that i just really if i'm not gonna sleep i need to to do to pick up some slack so i'll see you when i see you hopefully soon but i can't i can't make that promise Bye bye <laughs>